I always like to start by saying hello to our listeners. This is Marcia Epstein. I'm on lawrencehits.com and I am in Lawrence, Kansas. And today my guest is in Lawrence, Kansas. And that is not so usual for me, which is kind of weird because I love this place. I love this place. Anyway, so it's spring officially yard work you know it's getting outside i think it's a very healthy thing to get out and feel the dirt and move the things around that need to be moved and think about little planting things i i kind of joke about how some people spend their money going out for alcoholic beverages and i spend some money at the garden store and that's the choice that i make and it makes me very happy <laughs> I, I really enjoy that we have wonderful opportunities to be outside in Lawrence, Kansas and other places. I also love really old buildings and things like that, too. So I, I love that part and, and live in one of those kinds of houses and appreciate history and culture and art. And and I, I had this conversation with people that, to me, art is an expression of culture. You know, that's one of those things that defines certain, that define certain cultures are foods, way people dress, language, there are lots of things. And art is so important, so important in connecting people and building understanding. And we can never have enough understanding and empathy and compassion and belonging and connecting. And when I say art, I don't know why this is confusing to people, but word art is part of art. Yes, visual art is part of art, dance and music, and there are lots of different art forms. Certainly writing, whether it's poetry or other kinds of writing, that's art. That's not just technical stuff. That's cool. That's amazing. It moves people. It brings people together. And today I got to have this show with a person who's a dear friend and this amazing poet and a person who loves life and is a whole lot of fun and also knows a lot of the hard stuff. And so I'm so happy to do conversations with you, Rhonda Miller, because you have so much to bring to people and you're so generous with sharing that and, and helping people talk about things, helping them hear things, sometimes helping them giggle, sometimes helping them blush, you know, <laughs> all things we need to do. <laughs> Thank you, Marcia. I particularly enjoy the part about the blushing. I'm glad you mentioned that. No. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> to do this. <laughs> I think that you have, I, I just can't imagine that you have not raised people's interest in poetry, including people with the Kansas Authors Club, because you are not the formal staid poet that some people might have believed in when they went to middle school and had a terrible English teacher like I did. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that person's not listening. No, <laughs> He's no longer alive. Maybe we hope they are. <laughs> 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 the dead, dead poet society. No. <laughs> He's a scary man, that teacher. I've said this many times. Yeah. Seriously, when I graduated from high school, this person was there for high school at that point. And, and he tells me as he hands me my, my fake diploma, because they didn't give you your real one. It's like, go forth, my child, and sin no more. It's like, what? Wow. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I'm glad that it didn't stop you. <laughs> 
kind of life without a little sin. Right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so tell our <laughs> listeners a little bit about you, a little bit of background, because some of them have not met you before or, or met you through your poetry or, you know, in any way. So what are some of the things about who you are at this moment in time? Um, well, I definitely seem to have a varied passion that's kind of all are equally competitive. Um, so it's hard to really pinpoint which ones stand out the most. Certainly, um, poetry is key, a, a big, huge part of my life. And uh, the reason behind that is certainly from not having felt like I had voice um, and expression for grief, particularly and trauma as a young young person losing uh, a mom to suicide at age three and then in my 20s my father to, to homicide um, but also you know just those other losses that we have through life um, and the joys and the beauty and um, you know the nature of Kansas or the the um, beauty of Kansas has really helped me heal right along with poetry so I, I feel very fortunate to have been um, a farm girl in northwestern Kansas growing up and uh, also, um, you know, I think, you know, children are a real important part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, I've been working with children for 30 years now. Actually, before that, I was a foster parent for many years, and I got a degree in child development and just have always had an interest, I think, in large part because uh, having been in some different homes growing up and uh, a foster home for a while, and, um, you know, you're trying to find what normal is, you know, trying to embrace somehow, you know, the way it should be, and, and uh, working with children is kind of like, in a sense, what working with other poets has done for me. I've been able to pull um, those things that I love from each different person or each different poet or each different family and incorporate it into either my parenting or my poetry. Or um, So I think it's interesting how, as people, we can grow throughout our lives and, and decide, well, I'm not going to utilize that, you know, technique, or I'm not going to you know, that doesn't speak to me, but um, something else that we see, you know, we really uh, embrace and, and can incorporate. So it's it's nice to, I think, be open enough to be able to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm heavily involved with Kansas Authors Club. Um, I became District, District 2 president a few years ago and uh, then state uh, vice president after I stepped down from the role of poetry manager for the state contest, which I'd done for four years. Um, and just to let people know that our state contest for poetry and prose categories, there's seven in each category, um, or seven categories in each prose and, and poetry, that that opens April 1st for submissions and, uh, and ends June 15th. You don't have to be a... Um, member of Kansas Authors Club to enter if you live in Kansas, but if you are a member of Kansas Authors Club, you don't even have to live in Kansas. And we have members all across the United States. I don't know that we've got anybody out of the states right now that's a KAC member, but that would be kind of a neat thing to try to garner. So, um, and the prose contest manager and uh, our president, Roy Beckemeyer, have worked really hard of that to get some new categories of interest, you know, including playwriting, and and uh, we hadn't had that one to my knowledge before. So, um, hope people will go on to KansasAuthorsClub.org, and uh, up on the left-hand side, if they click on contest, that'll give them all the rules and information. Um, and we also, of course, have um, 
book awards, you know, the, the Nelson Poetry Book Award and, and um, you know, one from uh, prose writing and stuff, too. So lots to check out. We'll always have things going on. Our yeah. Kansas Authors Club State Convention will be hosted by District 3 this year in Coffeyville. And that'll be uh, October 13th, 14th, and 15th, and I will be presenting at that. So I'm uh, excited and looking looking ahead to that one. So yeah, it's, it's afforded us a lot of uh, camaraderie, and um, you know, there's just been there's a changing movement through Kansas Authors Club. You know, there's awareness of um, you know how poetry has particularly, I think, changed over the years, and and more so in the last you know probably 20 years. Um, so different from what, like you said, what you grew up with in high school and, and what most of us were exposed to. So if you haven't gone to any poetry readings recently, I encourage people to do so because I think, you know, there's a form of poetry that any anyone and everyone would find that they love. Yeah, and I think for me, it was one of those things where I really had kind of a bad image of what poetry and even reading poetry, nonetheless, hearing poetry read, you know, it was, it was all, you know, my, my middle school, high school stuff was all about, you know, structure and there's one interpretation and, and it was all very rigid. And that didn't have a lot of appeal to me then or as an adult later. And it kind of sneaked up on me because I, um, I was, you know, as we all do, sometimes we're looking for some information online. And so, you know, by a topic, I, I ended up coming across some poetry by Shane Coison, who's a Canadian spoken word poet. And and the two poems of his that I, I encountered early on, one's called Instructions for a Bad Day, and the other is called To This Day. And, and I listened to these videos, these, you know, watch the YouTubes of him or, or they were made with his, the, his poetry. And, and I thought, this is exactly the stuff that we talk about in the counseling and support groups and stuff that I'm involved with, with suicide prevention and suicide bereavement. And, you know, all this stuff was in this poetry. And it's like, this is so cool. <laughs> and it's incredible, and it, isn't it? Yeah, and it made me go, well, so, you know, I've been immersed in the nonprofit world of this area for so long, but I hadn't been immersed in the arts area. And so I, I made, you know, I go back online, it's like, you know, spoken word poetry, Lawrence, Kansas, you know, and I end up connecting with Sarah Glass, who performs um, as Misconception. And Sarah was so generous in saying, oh, here's some stuff you need to know. Here's some people you need to connect with. And, you know, and the network started building. And the more I talked to poets in particular, the more I kept hearing the power to them personally of, of their writing, the, the way it clarified that same kind of helping them deal with things in their life. And then the next step of how beautiful it was when they were, from my perspective, brave enough to get up at a mic and let other people hear and then have people in the audience go, you're saying stuff that I haven't been able to say. Thank you. Thank you. Uh -huh. you know, this beautiful connection stuff. And and I have been very enamored of poetry since that. It's just, it it is such important communication. 
Yes, and that feedback for a poet is so important. I don't think that I've been to many readings that I can think of where I didn't talk about scattering ashes of a loved one um, over the, the land of Kansas, um, knowing that wherever the winds took it, it would remain in Kansas, or talking about loss through suicide, or talking about um, incest or sexual abuse when someone, at least one person, hasn't come up afterwards and thanked me for talking about a topic that needed to be talked about or on a more personal level, something that they'd experienced, um, you know, personally. So um, if you, you know, do go to readings and you hear something from someone, um, if you don't have the money, you know, and can't buy the book, at least take the time to go up and, and thank them for talking about the topic that they did or letting them know that, you know, it, it, it um, affected you in a, a deep sense. And ideally, you know, the poetry books tend not to cost more than anywhere from $5 for a chapbook to 12 or 15 or 20 So, and I know you're always encouraging people rather than buying, you know, the coffee at Starbucks or, um, you know, a, a meal at wherever to, you know, to invest it in a book of poetry so you can enjoy mm-hmm. it and savor it and get fed from it, you know, get spilled from it many times over instead yes. of just that quick fix. So yes. um, I appreciate all that you're doing for poetry. I, uh, I know I was kind of felt like I was a lone writer and I'd gotten involved with um, the Citizen Journalist Academy through the World Company. And that's when I actually started writing poetry, and I was kind of surprised that I did, although I'd always loved poetry. And then um, thinking that I was the only one writing it, and then all of a sudden being made aware of Kansas Authors Club, and then finding out there were spoken word poets. And I'm, and then, you know, of course, there's the academic side of it. And um, I'd say for Lawrence, and in large part thanks to you too and The Raven, we have so many um, accepting people here, poets, and they're open to all different types. You know, the academic poets are open to the spoken word slam poetry and, and vice versa. So I think it, we all learn from that, too, because I think we start incorporating some of the other forms into our own writings oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And we know that just keeps bringing about more change and, and uh, new types. So it's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And and I want to ask you because I don't remember really knowing this. When when did you start writing? Because as you mentioned, your writing became a way of communicating things about grief and other really hard experiences that you hadn't really been encouraged to to deal with. When when did writing become part of how you do things for you? I read a lot on my grandparents farm. They had a lot of Poe and um, Walt Whitman books around. And of course, TV and computers were kind of non-existent back 300 years ago. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I, uh, the show Rawhide was popular. That lends people an idea of what time frame we're talking about. But um, I started, my sister is two and a half years older than I, and uh, I started once I, she got into high school. She had an English teacher, Carl Warner, who she really spoke highly of and said that I would just love him once I got into high school. And so I started writing short stories and she would take those to him and he was kind enough that he would grade them and send them back to me. So that was huge encouragement. And when I completed my first book of poetry, I actually contacted him and asked if he would edit it and had a chance to go out to Cheyenne County, St. Francis High School, fan shelter and present he and um, a couple of other 
instrumental people in my life during that time period with, uh, um, you know, a thank you publicly and, and um, you know, a um, small gesture of, of a book, probably, poor guy. But, uh, no, he was so instrumental and encouraged me and uh, also allowed me to take any of his books that he had in his English room that were his personal books home with me so that I could read them because I really didn't didn't have the ability. We were on a farm 11 miles outside of of St. Francis, so we didn't really have the means of, you know, going into the library, and, and my grandparents were older. But um, I started writing poetry. I, then when I came to KU, I was always interested in writing and uh, child development, so I did the double major with creative writing and child development. And it's interesting all these years later that I'm still working with children, and particularly special needs children, and, and writing some my my passions haven't changed greatly over the years. Then uh, those years at KU, I wrote short stories predominantly. But interestingly enough, when I look back on them, I always um, started off with a very brief poem before I went into the the actual short story. So, and then poetry in and of itself. Um, about 11 years ago, um, I just started writing it. Found out when I was doing the Journal World. Um, item and also because I needed creative release and short stories were really took more time than I had that poetry uh, would come to me and it was a lot faster and poetry comes to me generally you know in one sitting I write it down and I may Mm. tweak a word or two later um, but it's much much faster for me than short stories were. I did write a novel though in 2009 during the month of November for um, so one month, you wrote a whole novel. Wait, wait, wait. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> What's that? It's, it's, they had to be over fifty thousand words, and it's mm-hmm. called um, "Girls Who Lived in a Glass Bowl." And uh, as soon as I get that turned over to Metal Art Books, I, they'll edit it and, and get it published. So I'm looking forward to getting that done, hopefully this year. And also, I had started writing my memoir called um, "Done Memories of a Stone-Eyed Coal Girl," and um, trying to get that finished up. I, I think I'd mentioned to you via email that I will be going uh, to a writer's retreat in Wisconsin, Door County, in um, late August, and uh, that time spent will be for me to write, and that's the time period that I'm planning on really working on the memoir, and uh, I will present one class while I'm there on uh, writing uh, your trauma without too much drama and kind of talk to people a little bit about what it means to write about our grief and the importance of it and and the different reasons why we do it. And also how if we change what we're writing, we change our perception of of the incident or or the uh, experiences of of what happened. So um, looking forward to doing that. And that is the same presentation I'll be doing in October for Kansas Authors Club State Convention. So. That's great. Lots going yeah. on, yeah. I th- I think about, and I, I wish I could remember who the writer was, but a friend of mine um, was accepted into a writer's workshop. It was at Harvard or someplace fancy like that. And so she it was like a several-day thing. And one of the things she shared from that that just stuck out in my mind is that one of the, the teaching writers said, you know, you need to write from your scars, not your wounds, you know, that difference mm-hmm. where you are in, in your healing. Yep. Yeah. I can see that. I know Karen, uh, Karen Goldberg gave me some good advice. I had written a poem and was sharing it not long after um, my children's father, Demetrius, passed away. And, 
and she, in a very nice way, which she has about her, um, you know, mentioned that it would be helpful to let it sit for a while before I tried to write about it. And uh, interestingly enough, each year in the yearbook, Kansas Authors Club, uh, since I joined it, in, in a, I joined it just right before Dimitri died. Uh, each year, I we are able to submit one of our poems to be published in that yearbook. So each year, I have published a poem that I've written about him in that. And just over that, you know, time frame, um, it's been six years. Um, each one of those poems has changed so much in in what I write. So it's fascinating to see how that, you know, we do make have growth sometimes if we're able to write about it or talk about it um, mm-hmm. and move forward. Yeah. So yeah, writing writing has helped me greatly in uh, in my losses certainly. Yeah. And and as you say, you know, with with Karen Karen Miriam Goldberg's advice to to give yourself some time, I'm assuming that she was referring specifically to writing that you would share publicly, you know, as opposed to right. writing at all, journaling or yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. She certainly encourages writing of all forms at all times, but uh, yeah, just to so it, it made it a little, little more um, easy to read in public as opposed to crying through it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that can be helpful. Although you know, I see poets, and I myself have certainly cried at readings. I mean, you can read a poem that you've written or somebody else has written a dozen times, and uh, you can feel it differently each time. You know, when yeah. you hear um, those words impact differently. And there's times when you know I've been at a reading and I've been reading something and it catches you off guard and you have every bit the emotion behind it is when you first wrote it, even if it's been, you know, if you've read it a hundred times before. So, um, but there's nothing wrong with that. You know, seeing emotion, that right. expressing emotion is a, as you know, is a beautiful core experience that people share. So it's kind of the ultimate in my mind. And one of the things that comes up a lot in discussions with writers since November 9th has been how sometimes things that they had written, you know, maybe 10 years before have a whole different meaning now and are very relevant. Um, and, and so there's that part of not only might you be caught off guard because of what's going on, you know, immediately in your, your world that, that makes, reading this particular poem more emotional than it had been when you read it six months ago at another reading, but also things happening in the world um, make, make a big difference into what things mean to us. And I think it, particularly with things that are expressions related to grief and trauma, because there's so much of that that is, I'll use that word, triggered by things that have happened more recently with this current person who was elected. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of fear, and um, unfortunately, fear for some people, um, you know, makes them violent or uh, shun others, and for fear for some of the rest of us, um, makes us more open and more embrace even more uh, embrace even more willing to stand beside or in front of. Um, you know, or behind people um, that are different. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to see just that whole human dynamic play out. Um, uh, and I wish it was playing out in a lot, lot better way than it yeah. seems to be. But 
you know, I, I, I know people discuss the humanities and I think worry, you know, about, about funding cuts and, and if humanities are going to go by the wayside. And I just don't have that worry or concern. Um, it just seems like the human spirit and the arts, they're so entwined that um, if anything, during hard times, the arts, you know, are what pull us together as humankind mm-hmm. and, and move us forward and kind of lift us above, you know, the, the horror. Um, but I also appreciate that someone, if they're in a, you know, concentration camp or prisoner of war camp or have no food or water and are starving and, and terrified and sick, don't have, human. you know, they don't have the arts. They're not thinking about it. So it's that, you know, there's a, a fine line, certainly. One of the things that you mentioned, Rhonda, was kind of a not not feeling really concerned about the financial stuff related to the arts. And and when you said that, it made me remember something that even though I'd known you for a long time, I didn't know this about you until I read a book called Poems on the Range by Karen Miriam Goldberg. And that was that while Karen Miriam Goldberg was Poet Laureate of Kansas, when the Kansas Arts Commission was defunded by the governor, um, you were part of a tour across the state with Karen, performing, encouraging poetry all over. And so you know what it's like to to work and encourage poetry and write poetry during a time when um, there's not as much governmental support as there had been. Yes, and um, you know it was refreshing to see how many small towns, uh, small Kansas towns, um, had such nice um, art, you know, centers in their own towns, and how they embraced uh, and welcomed us. We read in Ulysses and Garden City and St. Francis and Dodge City, you know, just to name a few, and they were places that I had not gone before. Um, and and I was just in awe of um, you know the response and just the camaraderie that those of us those poets um, who did did that had um, and it'd be a nice time I I I guess dream about it happening again this year. Um, there's nothing quite like taking poetry on the road and into small communities that may not often um, you know have spoken word poets or or other poets mm-hmm. coming to them so. Yeah, that was a wonderful experience, and I, I thank Karen for letting me go along with that. And, and of course, in our uh, poet laureate who followed her, Wyatt Townley and her husband, Roderick, were um, two of the people that also went along, and Elizabeth Black, if you know her, and um, just um, Karen Onis Orange uh, was on that, that van, so or in that trip. So we had a great time, and, you know, there were some poetry games where somebody would would uh, make up a line and somebody else would, you know, do the next one and um, great experience. That's great. That's great. And, you know, we've been talking for quite a while, but we have not yet had you share some of your poetry. So I would love to do that before we get much farther in the show. Super. I actually had picked out three poems that I'd like to read today. They're all kind of three different topics. Um, So if you have a specific one that you prefer, one of kind of about Kansas, one is uh, about child, and one is a little more of the sexual nature that I sometimes write about. <laughs> I think 
think we need Somebody to has to. make people wait for that one. They're going to have to. Okay. Go, oh, I want to hear that one. So, so how about one of the other ones first? Okay, I'm going to do one that was uh, published on Karen's online forum um, just recently, and it is called She Says, and it's about a child. So, she says she doesn't dream. Each afternoon I ask, hopeful, she is despondent as I by her response. Not of ponies, a unicorn, white kittens, I ply. She shakes her head side to side, full lips whisper, no, so quietly that I'm lip reading. During the day she shares her tears, tells me how badly she misses her mom who lives behind bars. Her older brother, who has somehow transformed into her baby brother, she cries for him too. They have different fathers. His came for him. Hers has not. Today I change. I don't ask her if she had a dream. I know she did. I know she does every afternoon and night. They are nightmares filled with a loss so dark they can't be shared in light of day, can't be spoken, cannot be remembered. They are felt so far within there are no words to share. I sit beside her, rub her back, her dark eyes open, flutter shut, reopen. Let me tell you about your dreams, I say. You were riding a rainbow unicorn with a fuzzy white kitten in your pocket. She kept flashing her big blue eyes out to tell you where to go. You went all the way to the moon and back. I saw you there myself. Her face relaxes. She smiles. So I have to give credit to Z Hall. I know you know her. She uh, actually yeah. picked that poem of mine to to go on. Um that uh, form has changed. Uh, it used to be time plus place, and now it's changed to uh, love and resistance um, and solidarity. Um, and uh, so people are writing poems that somehow, you know, bring those images to mind. That's a beautiful and, uh, poem. Thank you. I really um, learned so much from the children I work with. Several of the children I work with are in foster care or have been, and and um, I know a little girl just recently had uh, was feeling down. I think, you, as you know, uh, my my cat had passed away last night or yesterday afternoon. And uh, she told me, you know, when she learned that he was sick and, uh, you know, she put her arms around me and gave me a hug. And she said, uh, you know, that everybody loves you. And I thought, you know, this is coming from this little four-year-old girl who is in foster care and she's nurturing me. And it just, it's just astounding the things they say and, and how much I learn uh, from each child that's been in my life, certainly. So mm -hmm. it's pretty incredible, pretty incredible. Yeah, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. And what a lovely experience to share. We're going to take a break right now and, and say thanks to some of the Lawrence businesses that sponsor LawrenceHits.com. And a thank you to Daniel Smith, who does Tech Magic. And that's how come people get to hear us instead of just the two of us getting to talk. <laughs> and so we'll be back in just a minute with more Talk With Me and my guest today, Rhonda Miller, who is a poet and much more. Welcome back to Talk With Me. This is Marcia Epstein, and I am talking with Rhonda Miller, who is a poet and a lover of children and a lover of people in general. And as a little child reminded Rhonda, very much loved by others. What a sweet child. Aww. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you never get tired of hearing that, you know, or, or getting a hug. 
So that's yeah, wonderful. And, you know, and it's it's no matter what age, and, and it reminds me just a, a little a little story that somebody um, posted on Facebook yesterday, and and this is a friend of a friend who we connected again around poetry, and Paul um, teaches in one of the correctional institutes. And he also is a person who actually teaches high school and college, and so he's a he's he teaches in other ways. And he, he was his he was sharing that you know he he'd had a long day. He had gone from his day job of teaching to an evening class that he teaches at this correctional institution, and that one of the guys had asked him, you know, so. So like, you know, is this is this a, a long day for you? And Paul said, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I go at seven to the school and then I'll get home about seven o'clock tonight after you know, our class here. And the guy looked at him and kind of teared up and was like, whoa. And, and you know, and asked, you know, it's like, what, what's going on? The guy said, well, you know, I can't believe you would do that. And his response that came naturally was, you guys are worth it. You know, and it's like, how beautiful, you know, those, those reminders. And then the guy said, you know, people don't tell us that. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's incredible to me, uh, particularly being involved with Kansas Authors Club and, and with the, you know, the Karen event uh, traveling across Kansas. How many poets are willing to travel the state of Kansas to read for five or 10 minutes? I mean, Mm-hmm. You know, they'll go for hours and maybe just have the opportunity to share one or two poems, and then mm-hmm. they head back again. Um, mm-hmm. Just just incredible. So they yeah. tend to be very giving, you know, open and, and loving people, I think. Yeah. so. Absolutely. Um, yeah, maybe that's why I love being involved with them so much. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's kind of the poet life, is that there are people traveling all over the country to perform, and nobody's paying for their transportation and their lodging and their food, you know, which is yet another reminder that buy their books. <laughs> right. Help, help support that poetry that you so enjoy when you've been able to hear it, you know, buying books from the author when possible, from the small press when possible, from the independent bookstore like Raven Bookstore here in Lawrence, Kansas, you know, that makes a big difference in really supporting the art. So it that's, does. that's my and plug there, yeah. Yep, and I know you know Jameson and ha- has have had yeah. him on several times, but I think if you know this kind of corridor of, of readings that he's been putting together, and, yes. you know, I would like to see in the future the um, possibilities of, Every community, if not having a house that was vacant that allowed, you know, writers and performers of any arts to come in and spend the night, you know, it's a great place to stay. Um, you know, what a wonderful thing that would be. I know when we went to Garden City um, on that tour, um, different people from the community had picked a poet and they treated us to dinner and we spent the night at their house. and. Um, it was just so embracing and really helped our ability to be able to do, you know, that travel. We also had uh, my good friend Mark Wolfson, who 
um, supplied lodging for us and when we were all the way out in Saint, to St. Francis, which is, as you know, as far as you can go pretty much and still be in Kansas. So, um, you know, those people that step forward and offer either their homes or uh, financial assistance, so many different ways to offer assistance. And but buying books certainly helps too. Which reminds me, it's plug time for me, that the yeah. poem that I just read, uh, she says, is in my new book called uh, Water Signs. And it will be published by uh, Meadowlark Books. They're the same ones that published uh, Moonstain. So that should be released uh, probably early in June of this year. So I'm very excited about that. And so your other books, do you know if Raven has some in stock right now? I'm pretty sure they have Moonstain. um, And it still surprises me. To um, you know, get a check in the mail from like Watermark Books in Wichita for copies, you know, Moonstain selling, and got one from uh, Salina Bookstore, and I think that was the bookstore that just burned not long after that mm-hmm. um, for selling Moonstain. And I know um, it's um, copies of Moonstain were the first book of poetry that were put on the shelves at uh, Ellen Plum City Bookstore. Um, so I've gone there and done some reading. So it's just uh, it's pretty cool to. Be, have, you know your books are in different bookstores. They're, of course, out in St. Francis uh, uh, available. And uh, I even saw that you can buy them through Walmart, which is getting very competitive with Amazon these days. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it is interesting. And I even saw online an Australian company where you can get them. So, um, yeah, once things are out there, they, they can pretty much be found about any source. That's very good. good. Hey, and while we're mentioning that people can can buy your books and you have the new one, Water Signs, coming out in a couple months, you've got a lot of events that you're involved with. And and I'd like you to mention some of those, too, places where people can come and hear you and see you and get you to sign that book that they buy. Well, Kansas Authors Club board meeting is going to be held in Emporia this year on April 1st. And I thought how nice it would be if we got some of the board members to actually be able to read uh, while we were there. So I contacted uh, Marsha Lawrence, who is the owner of Ellen Plum City Bookstore, and she uh, was very uh, acceptant of that idea. So there'll be six of us reading um, on April 1st, and that is at the, again, Ellen Plum City Bookstore Emporium, and that'll start at 4 o'clock. Um, and then the next day, I get, and I just thrilled about this. I am able to um, read with Jeanette Billings. We're actually going, going to travel together, and we will be going to um, Lindsborg, Kansas, which I have never been before. And uh, we are going to be at the White Peacock Tea and Coffee Company. That's at 124 South Main Street in Lindsborg. Uh, Bethany College students will be there along with community members and uh, Lindsay Garcia put that yes. together for us. It's her poetry jam. I know I hang with such neat people, don't I? Yes, I and, was just uh, thinking, well, there's a poet <laughs> there, and I didn't know if you did. And that's the connection. Sweet. Yes. Yeah. I have not ever uh, met her, I don't believe, but uh, have had lots of messages with her on Facebook, uh-huh. and she is just um, so accepting and embracing, and um, really, we're so excited about, about that. So that's Sunday April 2nd from 5 to 8, and um, I will be teaching and leading a class or workshop and uh, and doing quite a bit of poetry, and Annette will be doing the same, and 
and then there'll be an open mic for the students and community members who want to share some of their poetry. That's April fifteenth, really cool. yeah. we've got the uh, the big art fair at Lawrence Arts Center coming up. Beth Schultz is kind of the the person who heads that up. The uh, event will be open from one thirty to five, but the readings will actually be from two to four. So. Uh, lots of poets around the state of, of Kansas that will be coming in for that. I'm looking forward to it. And then something a little bit out of my uh, wheel, is that what they term it these days, on May 7th uh, at 3 o'clock, I'm going to be involved in a performance for Listen to Your Mother at Liberty Hall. Uh, I auditioned for it last year and did one of my kind of heartfelt poems about suicide loss. Didn't mm -hmm. get picked. Um, this year I went in with a comedy piece and uh, did get picked. So um, mm. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be something that I have not done before. So um, yeah, yeah, always, always new stuff coming up. And I think I'd mentioned the uh, Wisconsin Writers Retreat I'll be going to. Eve Ott and I will be performing together at the Writers Place in Kansas City Friday, October 13th. And uh, trying to think if there's anything else that I'm missing out on. So much. I mentioned. I just wanted to point out to our readers: it's not a coincidence that you mentioned three events that are in April, because April is National Poetry Month. Yes, it is. Yes. And for our district, Kansas Authors Club District Two, uh, that I'm the president of, we actually will have Roy Beckemeyer coming in. Uh, I believe it's the third Saturday of April to present on some different forms that most of us aren't familiar with. He's going to kind of show us some new new techniques, uh, which will be very, I'm sure, stimulating for our writing of poetry. So looking forward to that. Oh. And uh, then we have, uh, I think you know, Brian Daldorf is going to be doing a presentation for us in May. Uh, he had written a book about uh, his his father. And um, so we're looking forward to him coming in too. I don't have the exact date and time of that yet, but it'll be up on the Kansas Office Club uh, website soon. And, and we put it on the KUC Facebook pages. So. Lots of good stuff going on. Yes. And do, do you never sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Only when I'm writing poetry, something like that, or, <laughs> or I'm writing poetry in my sleep. I'm not sure which it is. <laughs> I actually had nothing this last weekend except to attend to my, my little dying kitty, and I was so glad because so often my weekends are busier than my weekday, and as far as terms of, you know, going different locations and the weather was perfect and the timing was, couldn't have been better. So sometimes we need just those weekends too. So. Mm -hmm. And, and you needed that particular weekend. So I'm really glad. Yes. That, that really is important. Wow. So, so much. And I'm just kind of torn in all kinds of directions about, you know, where should we go next? I will say that the that April 15th Poetry Fair at the Lawrence Arts Center, we will be hearing more about that. Um, have another show coming up with Elise Benzel, who is one of the writers, who's also an organizer, and Sarah Bishop, who is with the Lawrence Arts Center and one of the hosts and organizers of this year's Poetry Fair. And it's a cool event. It is just a cool event. It is. Meetings. And, and uh, Danny Kane's been instrumental in putting that together and Elizabeth Schultz, this is kind of yeah. one of her babies and uh, yeah. it's it's become a really, really neat one from its inception. So yeah. glad to be a part of that. Yeah. And just to mention, because we're talking April with a lot of these events, 
There is that next weekend after April 15th, the weekend of April 21st through 23rd, is this Kansas City Poetry Fair, which is called the Kansas City Poetry Throwdown. Um, and there are writers coming in from all over the country. And that includes people from the Midwest and more. And you mentioned earlier on Jameson, who is Jameson Bales, who is a, a poet in Kansas City. He and Jason Reberg are the two that really organized this year's Poetry Throwdown, and it's going to be a wonderful event. And I'm so happy that the Poetry Fair here is on a different weekend. So, so the weekend of the 15th, you can be immersed in poetry here and then go the next weekend to Kansas City. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I, I haven't made it in years past, and I'm hoping to this year. I know Roy uh, Beckemeyer, the president of KAC, is uh, going to be reading at that event, so he'll be coming in from Wichita, and nice. I know that Karen Goldberg will be uh, too, yeah. as far as her people. Yeah. that are very well known. But yeah. if you're in the poetry um, area at all, uh, or I love poetry and no poets, that would be a, an excellent one to catch. So yeah. there'll be a poet for everyone. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it'll be fun. I mean, that's part of it is, is getting to, you know, it's, it's like whatever your, whatever your kind of areas of interest are, you know, you've read people's work, you've seen stuff about them online, that kind of thing. And then when you get to go to something like the throwdown or something similar in a different type of area, not poetry, something else, ideally, and often what you'll find is those people whose stuff you've read, they're so willing and eager to talk to you, you know? And it's like, oh my God, all these rock stars and whatever the field is, I get to talk to them. <laughs> Yeah, it's incredible. And I, I know for me, you know, I can hear or read someone's poetry time and time again, but as soon as I hear them read it in their own voice, um, then from then on, when I read their poetry, I hear it in their voice because yeah. their voices are so unique and so distinct. And yeah. uh, what a truly uh, different change that makes for, you know, the poetry on the written page. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, catching it live is just so different, or, or uh, you know, hearing their voices. Yeah. Speaking of, you had mentioned that you had two other poems that you had selected to share today, and so we need to make sure that happens. So, how about another poem from Rhonda Miller? Very good. Um, my Kansas poem that I was going to read is fairly lengthy, so I'm going to read one a little bit shorter. This is called Sage, and uh, William Stepford. Um, this, of course, uh, one of my favorite poets, so um, this kind of makes mention of him. And Kim Stafford was very um, kind to me And as far as um, writing a blurb for um, Moonstein. So um, we've kind of been in contact, and I host a William Stafford reading locally here. Sage, I stood at the edge of the rickery breaks and let the winds of the world rush over me felt them push and pull my hair in the heat of this newly birthed August day. It was there I whispered to William Stafford, can you help me, Bill? Can you show me a sign, some words of wisdom? I'm having trouble making things right inside my world, this world. I pictured him beside me, his calm face pointed toward the horizon. Perhaps his eyes were taking in the dew that had gathered throughout the night and sparkled upon the sage that smelled of both heaven and earth. He closed his eyes and breathed inwards with all of his senses. I was grateful to have him beside me. 
His expression didn't change. His mouth didn't move. But I heard his voice on the wind. Be silent and listen. It is all you need of today. Lovely. Can you say some things about what draws you to William Stafford? Um, I, as you know, you know, with the, I think, trauma in my life, um, I tend to write things sometimes or think more as a pessimist than as an optimist. And um, William Stafford's poetry is extremely profound, but exceptionally uplifting and optimistic. Um, and I found, you know, that he writes so much about, of course, the, the people of Kansas and the landscape of Kansas. But, um, you know, the things that he writes about, too, he's such a pacifist that I can read his poem and, um, you know, think about it for a day and I could read it again the next day and do the same thing. I mean, they're just so profound and so simple um, for the most, you know, extent. He, he doesn't use vocabulary words that are obscure. I mean, I think anyone can pick up a book of his and there again find poems that they really embrace and, uh, you know, really get to their heart and make a connection with. Um, yeah, just an incredible poet, just so different from some of the other ones that I grew up with. I, I really didn't read Stafford as much until the last few years, uh, you know, as opposed to Whitman and Frost and Poe and people like that. So, um, but he certainly edged his way to the top. <laughs> All, right. All right. And you do an, an annual reading uh, event here in Lawrence, which is that's really special too. Yeah, yeah, we do it on his birthday, and um, it's a celebration of of his life and words, basically. And so this last year, poets uh, read a poem by him, and then one that, um, you know, a poem that they had written that had been inspired by him. Mm -hmm. And I kind of liked to challenge them. So since they're creative people, I asked them also to to um, give us some information about William Stafford that uh, perhaps audience members didn't know. So Denise Lowe was there, and of course she knew him personally, so she had some insight. And, and uh, our current poet laureate, Eric McHenry, was there. And although he had never met him personally, he said he liked to think that he had, you know, passed by him and, and um, you know, on their, on their way that Stafford had maybe gone the same pathway he had on campus, for example, at KU or, or someplace mm -hmm. else. So mm -hmm. it's kind of fascinating, uh, you know, how people responded to that. But uh, we had a mm -hmm. good turnout, and Karen Goldberg read, and Wyatt Townley, and Robert uh, Roderick Townley. So very nice group, and uh, I look forward to hosting that again next year. I'm hoping the celebration will become larger and uh, uh, just get people really involved in it. And hopefully at some point in time, Tim Stafford will come. So. Uh -huh. I think we can coerce or convince him, perhaps. <laughs> cool, very cool. So you've always got projects going on. That's part of being a poet of your type, which is a collaborative part, you know, person wanting to bring people into the work. This is not a solitary endeavor by any means for you. No, it's definitely definitely not about me. That's, uh, I think, the important thing about poetry. I've got many friends who write it and and, you know, aren't interested in being published, um, but I do encourage them to at least share their voice and their words. And, you know, one of the things I noticed when I was uh, on that tour was we had a poet, um, Lee Mick from Cocker City, who joined us part of the way. And, you know, he'd get be nervous before he'd go up on stage. And some of these stages were, you know, uh, movie theaters, you know, they were large venues. And 
I had to be honest with him and tell him that as much as I love Karen's poetry, which I do, and as much as I love um, Wyatt's and the other people that were there, his voice was absolutely every bit as astounding as and important. And it is the case with everybody that I hear. I mean, everyone is so unique and we have our own set of gifts to bring. And, you know, if we don't tell our stories, I think what a waste. And and, uh, some people, as you know, tell it through radio shows like you do and others do it through dance or music. Um, But yeah, you and I talked before about, you know, meeting people and, and looking them in the eye and, I used to say, you know, I try to figure out what their gift was, and you suggested even better, ask them, you know, what is your gift, and start a conversation. So um, it's a good way to look at other people, I think. Mm-hmm. I love those random conversations. <laughs> you know, random in the sense of, you know, being someplace and for whatever reason, noticing each other and, and starting a conversation about something real, not just, how are you, fine, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Absolutely. And then you can get quickly escape and run your opposite direction. And <laughs> As needed or not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have tried that conversation at the grocery store sometimes. Uh-huh. So and I have to say some people just ignore me and walk away. So maybe I either intimidate them and then some people are very close. They're not, you know, open and to being able to have those conversations. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then there's also the thing about you know we don't know them and so you know it kind of doesn't really it's not like we're going to have to face them every day and and think about oh you didn't even bother to talk to me you know it's it's all okay it's all okay and my hope yeah. is always that people at some point reflect on their day and think you know I, I'm, maybe I wasn't as nice as I should have been that was really nice of that person to to notice me you know because that's part of what doesn't happen to a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, you know, many losses as I've had, it's like there's such reminders of every day cherishing those people that uh, are commonplace in your life. Like, for example, not that my son's commonplace, but he's living at home now. And um, yeah, I start taking him for granted his presence as opposed to really every time I see him, just letting him know how important he is in my life and how much I love him. And the same way with my daughter or with friends, um, you know, just it, how important it is every time to just really, um, you know, pay attention to them and not not get bogged down in this other white and white stuff that goes on in our lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we have that that awareness that we never know when is the last time we're going to see somebody, we certainly want to make sure that we're saying things that need to be said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we have saved one of your poems till this latter part of the show. Um, So now I think you might even get some people to blush. What do you think? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I've got one that's very romantic or kind of soft romantic. It's called I Saw Autumnal. And the other one is Inverted Tulip. So if you have a preference from the title, I can let you pick or I can just pick one. I'd love for you to pick whichever you'd like to share. Okay. I'm going to do I Saw Autumnal. I saw autumnal colors through the rain-smudged windows this morning. Flowers, pink and yellow, sold by vendors. A pastel of unnatural colors in sharp contrast of falling, fallen leaves. Purple, orange, burgundy, and burnt greens. I travel into your arms again. The varied colors of our skin, a ripened hue of love, 
as we turn our pink and white bodies inside out for each other again and again. So see, that was kind of softly romantic. Yeah. That's lovely. And I, I, I love... I love the images and the colors and the, you know, that where it takes me when I, when I hear that poem, it's short, but it, but it, the illustration in my mind and the love and, you know, it's like, Oh, it's so tender. Yeah. It has just a very nice, I think, feeling to it. I know a friend of mine um, that's a poet in New York had just happened to send a photo to me of a rain smudged window and I could see those, those vendor flowers out there and I thought wow that's just so strange to be selling flowers that color when the fall colors are around us and that poem just came pretty hard and fast so Mm -hmm. I was very thankful it's interesting how just a photo or um, a moment or a word can can trigger something Mm -hmm. so it's very nice do you tend to take photographs too that sometimes relate to your poems I actually just entered um I hadn't done it before, but um, I'll, there are times that I do take a photo to accompany a poem and put it on that 365-day site uh, that Dames Benger had started. Um, and I saw that there was a contest for the Baser Library. They were asking for a poem and a photo. So the poem that I read, she says, I had given that little girl a uh, beautiful doll that had kind of see-through fairy wings attached to it for Christmas Uh and I had taken a photo of the doll before I gave it to her so I put overlaid the photo uh, or the poem over that photo and submitted it so I don't know if it'll do anything I'll find out I think it's this Friday but um, it's nice to do that and um, I know our friend Jesse has a show coming up this coming Sunday, yes, and Elise, what do you know about Jessica Elise? Exactly. Sunday, the 26, 6 p.m. at Percolator Lawrence. Be there. We yeah. are going to learn a lot more about her. I know she's yes. been working on something similar. She's a wonderful spoken word poet, and she's yes. actually putting her poetry to art pieces, and I can hardly wait to see them because yes. um, she's so creative, and she gave some description of some of those. I visited her Sunday morning, and uh gave me some descriptions of some of them and they are going to blow people away. I mean, the topic and just, just everything. She's incredible. Fabulous. Rhonda, thank you for mentioning Jessica Elise as well as, you know, that's just an example of who you are as this loving person, bringing everybody into the room together, bringing those connections, you know, and, and then I think about you as this person doing childcare for kids that often have not enough wonderful caring adults in their life and i and i get glimpses of that through our mutual friend rose and her granddaughter liana who will say things about miss Rhonda with such love in her eyes <laughs> oh well she's amazing she that whole family is amazing i'm yeah. very blessed to have them in our lives yes and we are at the end of this hour listeners this has been such a delight with poet Rhonda miller Please be aware that you can find her work in a variety of places, especially in April, including at the Poetry Fair on Saturday, April 15th at the Lawrence Art Center. Thank you, Marcia. And thanks to our listeners. And so long to them.